letter that Paul wrote. Um, it was his second time being a prisoner in Rome. This time, Nero had apparently commanded his arrest because Nero was persecuting Christians like crazy at that stage. And so Paul was arrested and, and brought back to Rome against his will, and uh, well, within God's will. And Paul knows that his time is short. So he writes this letter. It's a heartfelt letter. It's the kind of letter you would write if you knew that your time was short on this earth and you chose the person closest to you and you kind of poured out your heart to him. Now along with that, Timothy's a pastor in the church in Ephesus. So that adds a whole lot of extra to it, right? But that's where we're at here. Let's pray. May the words, words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts and minds upon those words be acceptable in your sight, Lord. You're our rock. You're our crucified, risen, reigning, coming again redeemer. Uh, come, Lord Jesus, and cause your word to bear fruit in our lives for you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Paul's writing this letter. Uh, He's literally in chains in Rome. House arrest probably to some degree. Um, we don't know the exact details of his second arrest and incarceration there in Rome. But to make Paul's last days even more somber, um, difficult for him, many Christian leaders in the church at Ephesus have taken offense that Paul is under arrest by Nero and that Paul is likely to be convicted and as a criminal convicted as a criminal for publicly preaching the gospel. So a lot of these leaders, most from Ephesus, have abandoned Paul in his greatest hour of need. So that really um, adds to what he's writing here in 2 Timothy. So Paul writes this situation to Timothy. Let's pick it up. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Again, Paul writing directly to Timothy. Paul writes, you are aware, Timothy, that, say it with me, that how many? All. All who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. Now, when we, when we hear the word Asia, we think of a massive you know, nation continent, right? Uh, that's not the way the word Asia is used here in this time frame. Uh, in this time frame, in this place, Asia is uh, a province in the Roman Empire. Ephesus is the capital, so it's right around that area. Paul spent three super fruitful years in Ephesus, and Ephesus became the most um, densely populated Christian city in the world at that time, at, soon after Paul's leaving. So this really is a surprise to us, and if it's a surprise to us, it must be a shock to whom? To Paul. He gets arrested for preaching the gospel, taken to Rome, probably going to be put to death under Nero's persecution, and what would, we, what would we expect of the people who have come to know Christ through Paul's ministry, have come to grow in Christ through Paul and Timothy's ministry following after him? We'd expect them to come alongside him and stand up with him and for him, wouldn't we? I think that's what Paul expected. What does he write? You were aware, Timothy, that all who are in Asia turned away from me. And then he names two men. How would you like to be named in Scripture this way? Um, and we don't know why Paul named them. Obviously, Timothy knew them well. And uh, our impression is that Paul, uh, maybe they were among the, the, the longest-serving, longest-walking-with-Jesus leaders in Ephesus. These men he especially expected to stand with him, and they didn't. 
And so he names them, among whom are Phagellus and Hermogenes. We know nothing else about them from scripture, scripture or from history. Now, in my margin, as we go through this passage, the next few paragraphs, you're going to see that faithfulness, say that word with me, faithfulness, say it again, faithfulness is going to be the, the key foundational thing that Paul is thinking about, feeling, and writing about in this, in this part of the letter. So he starts off with naming two men who have been unfaithful. And so I, I put that in the margin, unfaithful, Phagellus and Hermogenes, verse 16. Now he's going to flip the coin. <clears throat> two men um, failed, walked away, among others. He says, everyone. But verse 16, there's one bright light, shining light. May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. <clears throat> I challenge you to name the next boy born in the congregation Onesiphorus. It's actually a cool name. It means like encourager, builder up. Uh, it has a cool meaning. But he says, May the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. Now, what's, what really stands out about this? He was sticking his neck out. Nero was actively killing, crucifying, persecuting Christians like crazy in Rome at the time. He's got Paul there for that very, uh, that very purpose. And so Onesiphorus goes to Rome and then searches for him and finds him. What's Onesiphorus risking? Nero might be like, oh, you're a friend of Paul's? Let's toss you in there too. So this is one of the reasons why many leaders turned and ran away because they didn't like the disciples after Jesus died on the cross, right? Where, when did the risen, where did the risen Jesus find them? Locked in a room, afraid that they were going to go to the cross themselves because they were contemporaries, friends of Jesus. Same kind of thing. But he says, Onesiphorus, often refreshed me, was not ashamed of my chains. When he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. He didn't have GPS and all that other stuff, amen? Who knows how many days it took him to ask questions and search and find Paul in Rome. But he did. Verse 18, he says, may the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. Paul is so blessed. He says, God, when the judgment day comes, would you give extra blessed mercy to Onesiphorus? Because he stuck his neck out and he served me and refreshed me in my hardest time. Isn't that a cool prayer to bless on somebody with? Now, the impression we get is that Onesiphorus has passed away between uh, his visits to Paul and the writing of this letter. Don't know for sure, but it kind of has that feel and sound to it. So he says, May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And then he says to Timothy, You well know all the service, service he rendered at Ephesus. So Onesiphorus, God bless you. We bless you with Paul for being uh, such a faithful servant and one who would risk his life for the sake of his faith and for the sake of a faithful servant like Paul. Chapter 2, verse 1. So, uh, so in the margin, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, alongside Phagellus and Hermogenes, I wrote unfaithful. Next to Onesiphorus, what did I write? Faithful. Chapter 2, verse 1. You then, my child, Timothy, say it with me, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. When you're having a downtime, when you're feeling beat up by the world and circumstances, whatever else is going on, you're feeling low and you're feeling wobbly and everything else that comes with that, here's one of the things, the aspects of God, that can really bring strength to you. The grace 
the unmerited love of Jesus Christ. Maybe I'm in a low spot because I, I biffed it myself. I sinned. I, I made a wrong choice. I, I stepped wrong myself. Maybe that brought me low. That, that makes it even worse, right? Even harder. What, how am I going to receive strength in that situation? Best thing is, is to come to Jesus. Confess it. Be straight up with him. Amen? He loves you. Straight up with him. Confess. Repent. Ask for the washing and the cleansing. And then what? Go ahead and say, Lord Jesus, I'm depending on your grace. I know you love me. You've declared that you love me. I know it's true because of the cross. Fill me afresh and anew. And show me, God, right? What is Paul's prayer for you and I again today? God, by the Holy Spirit, show your children how long and how wide and how high and how deep is your love for them in Christ Jesus. So one of the ways we can have strength this morning, anybody need strength this morning? Need a little boost? Okay. Soak in, receive, and, and rejoice in the love, the amazing, unmerited, immeasurable love that Jesus Christ has for you today. Be strengthened in that. Receive it. Okay, receive it. It's laying there. It's been presented to you as a gift. Gifts need to be what? Received and used. The 10-speed bike, if I never learn how to use it and get on it and ride it, it does me no good. It sits in the corner. The baptism, if I never learn how to walk with Jesus, love and trust him and use those gifts, it never does me any good. So receive the gift of grace. Receive his love and walk in it. It says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, was Paul shy? Was he, was he like, you know, whispering Jesus in the corner in the closet one-on-one? -on -one? Paul says, I was bold. I proclaimed it in groups wherever God gave me opportunity. Sometimes in the street corner, in the stadiums, wherever I had chance, I, I what? I, he says, you heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, I talked about the grace of Jesus Christ. I talked about the word of God. He says, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. Now, what kind of men? Faithful men. Now, it's hard for us to judge and discern that always, right? Did Paul know that uh, Phagellus and Hermogenes were going to biff it when things got tough? You can't really know that. But you do your best to recognize faithful men and women, pass on the gospel to them, and encourage them to do what with it? Pass it on to others. Does he say that? Sure does. What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The kingdom of God grows. Say that with me. The kingdom of God grows. It does not stagnate. It was not meant to be hidden. It was not meant to be sat on. It was meant to always be shared boldly in every situation God gives us opportunity to, Walmart or wherever, gas pump at Juba's, wherever. Sunday morning after church, you see somebody down. You can see their, their faces downcast. Approach them. What's going on? Can I pray for you? Whatever the need is, wherever the need is, we share. Pass it on to people who will be able to teach others also. Verse 3. Now, here's where we go. We're getting into stuff that we have not known in America. Tell you what, being a Christian in America has been easy peasy for a long, long time. And now it's starting to get a little bit harder. And what are we doing? Oh, it's getting so hard. Oh, persecution. Oh, this is so bad. How do we stop the persecution? I get that. 
But people, the people of God who have followed God for thousands of years have always been persecuted. We've just had an easy time for a while, and now it's time to get serious. Amen? So what does he say, verse 3? He says, Timothy, heads up. A whole bunch of leaders there in Ephesus, your leaders, have turned away from me. Didn't see that coming, did we? Verse 3, share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Are you a soldier of Christ Jesus? If you are, then, then buckle up. Get ready to share in some suffering. Did Jesus suffer for us? Do we have a distant God who commands things from his throne thousands of miles away and says, come on, you know, get after it, get busy, be strong, I'm pulling for you. What kind of God do we have? He took on flesh. He came down here in the flesh himself, was willing to suffer horribly himself for your and I's sake. And Paul says, Timothy, I'm here to tell you. We need to be willing to share in suffering as good soldiers of Christ Jesus. Now, he's going to give Timothy, as a pastor, three encouraging things here. Um, and it, it can still apply to us, but specifically for Timothy in this pastoring situation. Verse 4, he says, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Now, it's a little bit fuzzy, right? But the, when you get to know Paul all through the scriptures, you get to know Timothy in a situation, uh, what we're thinking here is, how did Paul handle finances when he went from place to place as a missionary? How did he handle, did he say, you guys need to, you know, let's take an offering for the Apostle Paul. How did he handle it? He made tents on the side. He never asked for a dime in his missionary journeys. Why? Because he didn't want anybody confusing money with the gospel of Jesus. Okay? But now it's a different scenario with Timothy as a pastor living in the community, pastoring, shepherding for years and maybe decades at a time. It's a different scenario. What does he say for Timothy? He's going to be teaching here. He says, he says no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. So now, what's he want Timothy to do? Timothy might have hundreds of pastors. We don't know how many. There were thousands and thousands of believers in Ephesus, and they were in house, little house churches all over town. They didn't have big buildings for big gatherings. So Timothy was in charge of the purity of the gospel for maybe hundreds of pastors and thousands of believers. Is that a full-time job? I'm asking you, is that a full-time job? Okay. What does Paul say elsewhere? that Timothy ought to expect from the congregations. They ought to be supporting him so that he can give all of his attention to what? The gospel and the kingdom. So that's what Paul's teaching him here. Apparently, Timothy is feeling uh, weird about that, and he's wanting to try and um, not ask for money from the congregation. It's weird, right? Do I want to stand up here and say, give me more money? I don't want to be doing that. Praise God, I don't have to at Dell. Council and the congregation takes care of me. But it's a different situation. This is a brand new thing here in this New Testament time. Amen? So he says, <clears throat> no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. Don't be working at quick trip and trying also to be a pastor over this huge kingdom operation in Ephesus. Don't be doing that. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Who enlisted Timothy to be a pastor in Ephesus? Now, our first thought is maybe Paul, but, but we've got to go to a higher enlister. Who's the captain of all the armies of heaven? God enlisted him. He said, you, you're serving God. Focus on him. 
please the one who enlisted you. Verse 5, another aspect of this. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So he says, hey, keep your focus on doing things the right way, the God way, and don't be uh, drawn to the right or to the left. Verse 6, it's the hardworking farmer. Now, farmers, we love you. You feed us. You give glory to God by how you handle the, the soil and the critters, and we love and appreciate you. Can we give a little applause to our farmers here? Yeah? Praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Jesus often used farmers and farming as uh, wonderful examples for the gospel. Paul's doing it here. What does he say in verse 6? It's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Makes sense, right? So, but he's using this in a spiritual kingdom sense. A hardworking pastor, a hardworking uh, teacher of the gospel, ought, ought what? Ought to have the first share of the crops. Ought to be taken care of ought to be able to focus on the gospel ministry. Verse 7, he says, Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Everybody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Does everything in Scripture just come to your knowledge and understanding immediately the first time you read it? Whew, what do we need to do? We need to think over it. We need to pray over it. We need to ask the Holy Spirit for understanding. He will give it the more we soak in the Word. Verse 8, Key to the whole whole thing for a pastor, key to living for you and I. Say it with me, the first three words of verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ. Why is it critical to be in church on Sunday morning? Among other things in the walk with Jesus, why is it critical to be here every time you can? Because we sing awesome worship songs that come from the scripture and they point our hearts and our minds to whom? Jesus Christ. What does that help us do? Helps us keep on remembering the one who made us and who saved us and who has our future in the palm of his hand. We've got to keep on remembering Jesus Christ. What is specifically about him? Risen from the dead. You know what I'm going to say. Are you, you're ready, right? Christ is risen. Is risen Don't forget that, will you? Seems like a no-brainer thing. Why is he saying this to Timothy? We have to remember it. We have bad days, we have bad weeks, we have bad months. What do we need to know? Christ is risen, and that resurrection power lives within me because he lives within me. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. So it says, remember Jesus Christ. Now he's writing to Timothy, and Paul is his lifetime mentor. Paul is about to check out, people. Timothy's going to feel how about that? He's going to feel left behind, um, I mean, he abandons. He's going to feel like his arm is cut off. All those things. And he says, remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. I'm checking out and moving on. But Jesus Christ, risen alive, is with you and in you, Timothy. And that will not change. Everybody say glory. glory. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David. So Jesus is the son of God and he's the son of man. As preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, Bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound. Say glory. Therefore, I endure everything. Why? Why does Paul endure all this, all these shenanigans? Shipwrecks and stonings and all this stuff. And now he's going to get put to death by Nero. Why does he endure all these things? For the sake of the elect, you and me, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. If we end up in jail because we believe in Jesus, what are we going to do in there? 
We're going to sing praises. We're going to share the gospel. We're going to rejoice in being counted worthy of suffering for the sake of Christ. And what are we going to do? We're going to try and bring other people with us to heaven until they, until they check us out of here. That's what we're going to do. Say hallelujah. We have purpose. Does our purpose stop because I can't go to work anymore? I can't get my paycheck? Does my value stop because I'm, I'm stuck in a jail? No. I have purpose there. Glorify God. Bring people to Christ. Verse 11. The saying is trustworthy for... Now, this is another hymn, apparently, that they were using in the early church. A chunk of it that Paul uses for us. The saying is trustworthy. First couple of positive. If we have died with Christ, we shall also live with him. And you go, well, when did I die with him? Right there. Scripture says, Paul says in Romans chapter 6 and Colossians chapter 2, when we are baptized into Christ, we are baptized into his death, that we might also live with him. So it's probably a reference to baptism. It's also a reference to uh, when you put your sins to death and you, you trust in Jesus Christ, that's also a connection. But he says, if we've died with Jesus, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. What's that a promise of? When are we going to reign with Jesus? In the millennium and into eternity. If we endure, if we stand firm until the end, Jesus tells in Matthew 24, in Revelation to the letters to churches, you got to stand, can you stand for Jesus just as long as it's convenient? As long as it's safe? As long as it's comfortable? Okay, we need to commit and steel ourselves now to stand and endure with Jesus and for him until when? Until the end. Until the Lord allows us to come into his presence. If we endure, we will also reign with him. So two positives, now some negatives. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Now, deny is okay there. It might be a little bit more spot-on translation-wise to say disown. If we disown him, if we reject him as Savior and Lord, turn around and walk away, Scripture, Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 10, if you deny me, if you disown me in front of other people, Jesus said, then I will disown you before my Father. Okay, what we believe matters. Say amen. What we do with that belief matters. Say amen. amen. I love feeling cozy with Jesus at the cross as my Savior. I love that. It's got to be more. Willing to share in suffering. Willing to die for Him. I need to be willing and able to endure to the end. If I disown him before other people, well, Jesus, no, he's really not that big a deal. Let's not go there, amen. amen. Verse 13, more, more sober, hard stuff to hear. If we are faithless, here's the good news, he remains what? Faithful. Obviously pulls apart. Faithless, Versus faithful. Why, why does Jesus remain faithful? Say this last phrase with me. For he cannot deny himself. 
So I titled the sermon, um, His Faithfulness, Our Hope. Because anybody here fail to be perfectly faithful? Where's, where's my hope in that? Is my hope for salvation in my performance? Yeesh. That's, that's, not a, that's not a great place to be. Is my hope for standing before a holy God and being welcomed into his presence, is that hope in me? That's not a solid place for that. Where is my hope? My hope is in Christ, what he did for me and his enduring love for me. He cannot deny himself. What does Paul mean by that? Here's what he means. Exodus chapter 34. And I've said this on numerous occasions, but um, if you haven't memorized this yet, you need to. And I don't tell you that often, but uh, you need to. This is where Moses asked God to show him his glory. Who, who are you at your essential core, God? Show me that. Moses says, I've seen, I've seen ten plagues. I've seen awesome miracles. I've heard you from the mountain. I mean, that's a lot of revelation, right? Say amen. amen. And then after all that revelation, Moses says, but I really want to know the guts and the core of who you are. Show me your glory. And God says, okay. Exodus chapter 34, verse 5. The Lord descended in, descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. So God's going to proclaim his very essence and nature to Moses for us, for you and me too. Verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord. Now that's all caps. That's Yahweh. I am. I'm the God who's always been God and I will always be God. And he says it twice. The Yahweh, the Yahweh. A God, say with me, merciful and gracious. This is the core of who our God is. Merciful and gracious. Say, thank you, Father. Thank you. Woo, that, that was okay. Aren't you really thankful that he's merciful and gracious? Because we all fall short of the glory of God, every single one of us. And without his mercy and his grace, not a one of us is going to see a million miles within heaven. We're not going to get anywhere near that close. God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger. Now, as a parent, there were times when, how quickly did my anger come? Boom! Oh, I'm so grateful that God's anger is what? Slow, slow to anger. Now here we go. Say it with me. Abounding. How much do you love that word? Abounding in what? Steadfast love and faithfulness. So when Paul says to Timothy, Jesus cannot deny himself. He will always remain faithful. Every time you and I biff it, if we come back to him and confess repentance, he will forgive, he will restore, because he cannot deny himself. This is who he is. Our God is faithful. Amen. He is love. He is mercy. He is grace. He is slow to anger. That will never change because it's the core of who our God is. So when Paul says he can't deny himself, I go, hallelujah, I'm so thankful. God never has a bad day. Amen? He never walks away from his character. He never has a slip and goes, oops, I wish I hadn't have done that. He cannot deny himself. He's merciful and gracious, slow to anger. He abounds in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands. 
He forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. I liked in the old NIV it said he forgives, forgives sin and wickedness and rebellion. And I'm really glad that it's spelled out like that because sometimes I go, God, I have to come to you this morning and I have to confess. I have to confess that I've been wicked. And I have to confess my sin and repent. But I know that you forgive wickedness because it's in your character. You stated it to Moses in Exodus 34. I'm so thankful. Sometimes it's what? It's sin. Sometimes it's rebellion. God, I knew that, that was wrong. I knew your law said it was wrong, and I did it anyway. It was just flat-out rebellion. Confess it. Repent. Well, God, can God deny himself? Can he not treat you with forgiveness and grace and mercy? He has to. It's who he is. It's not a, it's not a piece of clothing he puts on for the day. It's who he is. And that's why Paul writes to Timothy, he says, oh, he says, watch out. He says, don't disown the Lord and fail to come back from that. Now, Peter did it three times, right? By the grace of God, he had time to confess, repent, and come back. And Jesus forgave him, restored him. But the Lord says, you don't know the timing of things. So Paul says, he cannot deny himself. So, so here's how we're going to end this. This passage is about faithfulness. And, and we are sometimes unfaithful. And when that happens, we need to hit the ground running back to the cross and get on our knees, amen? Confess and repent and come back into his embrace. But depend on this. This is our hope. He can't deny himself. He is always faithful. I can always come back to him if I should fail. But God, help me in the moments that matter the most. When life is on the line, help me not to fail in those moments. But this is the word that God prompted me to end with today. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. This is, a, this is really, I believe, Paul's summary statement to, to Timothy. Through 1 Timothy and now 2 Timothy, Paul would bring Timothy to this. God speaking to Joshua as he's taken up the reins to lead Israel into the promised land. Because Moses stayed behind, died on the other side of the, the river. Right? What's God say to Joshua? Say it with me out loud together in unison. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Persecution comes. Hardcore persecution might come. Who's with me? I'm by myself. All my friends abandon me and run away in the moment. Who's with me? The Lord is with me. Can I depend on him to be faithful? Always. Can I depend on his love, grace, and mercy? Always. Can I depend on his strength? What did Paul say to Timothy? Be strengthened in the grace of Jesus Christ. All those things. God will provide. Call in his name. Stand in him. Hang on to him above all things. Be strong and courageous. God says, have I not commanded you? If he has commanded us, then he's given the resources to keep the commandment. Let's pray.
Jesus, help us to give grace to our friends and close ones in the moment when they've let us down. Uh, I've had that happen to me. Help us to give forgiveness. God, I have also, um, on an occasion or two, been the one who failed. So thank you for your grace for me, for all of us who've been the one who failed to stand up to help. But Jesus, uh, we're taking Paul's letter to heart in a big way this morning. We never want to disown you. We always want to. Every chance, every opportunity, even with our lives on the line, we want to say, I am for Jesus because he is for me. And you do what you need to do, but I will never disown my Lord and Savior. He is mine forever and forever. God, help us to be faithful in moments like that. For sure, God, help us to be faithful. But we praise, honor, and glorify you right now, God. We're going to sing a hymn about it. We glorify you, mighty God, because you are always perfectly faithful. You cannot deny yourself. This is who you are. And we love you, and we praise you, and we adore you for who you are, and that we can depend on you to be who you are. Heavenly Father, in Jesus, your Son's mighty name, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.